So give me give me the hot take. That sounded a lot dirtier than I meant it to. <laughs> it did. I meant like. Hello, my name's Jimmy, <laughs> and I'm with my wife Lindsay. A hot take is like. like I know. I get your it. Take on it, but. I get it. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay, so that was my wife Lindsay. Uh, this is episode. Twenty-one? No. Twenty-two. Twenty-two. Twenty-two of dying to know. Damn. Is it 22? I think so. Didn't we do episode yes. 20 last week? No, you're right. You're right. Or we did 21 last week. I'm all <laughs> confused. Anyway. We're calling it 22. This is episode 22. <laughs> uh, this week is my episode. Um, so we're doing something a little different. Okay. Uh, yeah, I don't even know what you're doing. So in the past, we've done murderers. We've done spooky stuff. We've done conspiracy weird deaths. When I say this topic, I think it's going to be like a record scratch. Like a lot of people are going to be like, I don't understand how this pertains to the themes of our podcast until I go into it. Today we're talking about a theme park. Okay. Okay. Specifically. Oh God, this is this action park. Oh. Okay. So you mean you mean class action park? Class action park. Uh, (laughs) So if you don't know anything about this, this is gonna be an interesting one. Well, before we dive into it though, um, Lindsay can attest to it. I really like one of my my weird hobbies. I will sit on YouTube and watch things about amusement parks, things about rides, like the uh, point of view. Your favorite one, I think, is I mean one of the really good channels is defunct land right yeah because he this guy on uh this channel defunct land on youtube he basically takes rides and they are no longer around Mm -hmm. and he tells the story from the construction to what led to them being taken down um but like that kind of stuff how rides are designed everything down to like the point of view first person of people on rides i've never been on i don't know why it's just it's always been a hobby of mine i think it's goes back to like me being super obsessed with Roller Coaster Tycoon when I was younger. <laughs> so that could be part of it. But anyway, so Action Park, or Class Action Park as it has uh, been Lovingly called. Lovingly been uh, referred to. Yes. Uh, it was an amusement and water park that was located in Vernon, New Jersey. Uh, basically, there was a uh, Vernon Valley ski resort that they ended up deciding to build a uh, theme park on. So I'm going to talk about what the kind of little brief history of the park, and then we're going to talk about the park itself and all of its disturbing uh, glory. But basically the park consisted of uh, primarily water-based attractions and opened in 1978. Um, I didn't know that. Yeah. So Not the 78 thing, but the the primarily water attractions. And it featured three tra- uh, attraction areas, the Alpine Center, Motor World, and Water World. Water okay. World not associated with Water World, yeah, the Universal it, it was just a generic Water World. Like Water Park. Yeah. Um, speaking of Water World, it was actually considered one of the first modern American water parks. Okay. Doesn't mean it was good. It was just considered <laughs> one of the first ones. Uh, but basically... Many of the park's attractions were unique. Attracted, it actually attracted thrill seekers, 
thrill seekers all across like the New York metropolitan area. Its popularity, though, went hand-in-hand with a reputation for poorly designed rides, under-trained, and under-aged staff. And (laughs) this is my favorite part. Intoxicated guests and staff and a horrifically poor safety record. Yikes. Uh, Obviously, that gets why it gets the name of Class Action Park because there were multiple class action lawsuits filed against the park. Yeah. The reason why this pertains to dying to know is at least six people are known to have died as a result of mishaps at this park. Okay. The reason why they say at least, we'll get into it. <laughs> um, but basically, uh, state regulators uh, did little to like address, even when people were dying in class action lawsuits were filed, uh, the state legislature just really didn't do anything yeah. uh, to stop it. But basically, uh, what ultimately led to the downfall of Action Park was personal injury lawsuits. Um, so, like, class action lawsuits were going, but, like, families were seeking, like, private lawyers who were just mm. slamming this park. Yeah. Which is good, because uh, it eventually got certain rides closed down, which led to the park closing down. Yeah. Uh, so, let's go back in time. Um, basically, like I said, it was built on an old ski resort. Um, the idea for the park originated in 1976, so two years prior to it opening. A man named uh, Eugene Mulvihill, uh, and his company, Great American Recreation, Mm -hmm. abbreviated GAR, basically wanted to find a way to generate revenue for the summer, because it was a ski resort. During the summer, ski resorts really don't generate much revenue. Yeah. So, fast forward, uh, the or sorry, the same year, they decide to open a 2,700-foot alpine slide down one of the ski trails. Okay. The idea was that when it snowed or when they generated snow for the, the resort, it would just cover the track. Um, two years later, they added two water slides and a go-kart track. Basically, uh, making it its own little park, they named it Vernon Valley Summer Park. Uh, But the following year, so that's 1978, that's considered the official start of the park. Yeah. Uh, The following year, more water slides and a deep water swimming pool, as well as tennis courts, a softball field, and a bunch of other stuff were added uh, to what became known as the Water World section of Action Park. By 1980, Motor World, which was another part of the park, had been carved out of swampy lands the ski area owned uh, across Route 94. So it was a big area. Mm-hmm. Um, ultimately, the small park consisting of the Alpine Slide and the Water Slides evolved into a major destination with 75 rides. Okay. So they started with three, essentially. Um, the... <laughs> Most successful years for the park were the early and mid-80s, so right after it opened. Mm-hmm. Uh, most rides were at... <laughs> I love the way this was written. At that point, the park had only been open. It opened in 78. Its most successful years were early to mid-80s, right? So it's first okay. five to seven years. Before people really knew anything about it. The best part is then the article says, at this point, most of the rides were still operating. Okay. It was a brand new park. What the... Yeah. 
They should all still be operating. Uh, and at this point, the park's dangerous reputation, like you said, hadn't been developed. Yeah. Um, in 1982, two guests died at the park within a week of each other. Holy shit. Uh, leading to the permanent closure of a, of a ride. And we'll go into the rides later because... Do we know how they died? Oh, okay. It's later. Okay. Uh, despite this and the publicity of it, people continued to come in massive numbers. The park was a massive success. Uh, the park's fortune, like their good luck, turned two years later in 1984 when two more people died that summer. Damn. Um, legal and financial problems that stemmed from those the lawsuits of those deaths basically just hit the park hard. The A state investigation of misconduct... Uh, in the leasing of state land to Action Park led to a 110-count grand jury indictment against nine related companies that ran the park and their executives for operating on un an unauthorized insurance company. So basically what happened was they had the land, they built it with a park, and the insurance company they were using as a park to make it through all the red tape wasn't an authorized insurance company. Oh, yikes. Yeah. Ooh, that's bad. So the uh, CEO, Eugene Mulvihill, actually pled guilty uh, in 1984, November 1984 to five insurance fraud-related charges. Um, that being said, they let the park stay open. Uh, so here's, here's how it goes. I mean, this is how it actually worked is the park entertained over one million visitors per year, which we're talking in the 80s. That's a lot. Yeah. Um, with as many as 12,000 people coming on busy weekends. I mean, nowadays that doesn't seem like a lot because of like Disneyland and stuff, but yeah. this was a small local park. Mm -hmm. uh, park officials said the high amount of people that they had versus the injuries and deaths made the, st the statistics. So think about it. Like they're saying we have so many people coming in. People are bound to get hurt. Yeah. Like it just goes with the increased numbers. Um, nevertheless, the director of emergency room at a nearby hospital, uh, said that Action Park kept that hospital in service mm -hmm. and that they treated five to 10 victim of park accident, uh, ah, five to 10 victims of park accidents on the park's busiest days. Um, and the park eventually bought the township of Vernon, where they were, extra ambulances to keep up with the amount of people getting hurt. Jeez. The park recognized that they were getting, people were getting hurt, so they bought the town ambulances. Because it was a small town. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I, I can't even. So, in 1989, Gar, the company that owned it, decided they were going to sell the park. Okay. Probably because they realized it was going to be a shit I was show. Say, fair enough. Uh, they actually tried to sell it to the International Broadcasting Corporation, the IBC. Um, they tried to sell the ski resort and the park for $50 million. IBC was on board until they got on site. And their words were that they felt the site was not suitable for their needs upon inspection of the properties. Basically, they saw it and they're like, no, we're not they're doing like, this. They're like, this is literally a death trap. Yep. By the early 1990s, Action Park was being advertised as the world's largest water park. 
Uh, additionally, Park really? launched a website. So early 1990s, it launched a website. So they were they were keeping up uh, on which visitors could find information about rides, directions to park, lodging, or even like there was like a free raffle daily on winning park tickets. Mm-hmm. Um, when was this? When 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 did they start? Like... Early 90s. So okay. very early in the internet game. Yeah. Um. The 90s is where they started seeing a lot of hardships, though. Okay. A few rides were closed and dismantled due to costly settlements and rising insurance premiums, because at this point they actually had to get real insurance. Yeah. And the park attendance began to suffer as a recession early in the 90s, reduced the number of visitors. So it was kind of like a multitude of things. In 1995, GAR operated Action Park with no liability insurance. They were losing what? money. And at this point, here's the crazy part. At this point, the state of New Jersey did not require them to have insurance. That's insane. Yep. So, basically... And definitely a 90s thing. Yep. The company essentially found it more uh, fi- like economic, uh, economical to go to court rather than to get the liability insurance. So, they just relied on their own self-insurance, essentially. Like, yeah, it's nuts. Uh... However, there were so many in- injuries, less than a year later, they had to purchase liability insurance. Um, as 1995 progressed, their financial troubles continued to accumulate. First Fidelity Bank had lent uh, the company $19 million and some other uh, 15 oh had led the lended the company and 15 other connected corporations $19 million dollars. Uh, they in turn filed suit against them in an effort to begin the process of foreclosing on the debt they owed them. Basically, this the park and all the companies connected went to this bank, requ- borrowed $19 million, and they just never paid it back. So the bank went after the park. Okay, um, understandable. Law firms owed money for services rendered between 1991 and 1993, jumped on board, and basically just a shitstorm of legal battles, essentially sank the park. Mm-hmm. Um, this stretch into 1996 uh, forced the company that ran the park into bankruptcy. Um, at this point, the company had paid down their debt. They owed $14 million in debt. Um, they filed for Chapter 11 protection that following March, but remained optimistic that they could regain their financial footing within a year. That's what they told <laughs> investors. We owe people for, uh, $14 million dollars. We're going to file Chapter 11 bankruptcy, but within a year we'll be making money again. That is that is very optimistic. That was in, in March. Okay. By September 2nd, Action Park was closed. Oh, I bet. Uh, as the 1990... Now, I got to remember, Action Park, it's a summer thing, so it'll, you know... Yeah. It's the end of the summer. Uh... When 1997, the next year, rolled around, the company that owned Action Park, GAR, I don't like calling them GAR, but I don't want to say the whole name, uh, remained optimistic that the park would be would open as expected in spite of massive layoffs uh, at the end of the ski season. Mm-hmm. The opening date was pushed back to June 22nd. June tw- or June 28th, my bad. June 28th hit. It was pushed back to mid-July. On June 25th, uh, 
Um, oh, I'm sorry. It was pushed back to June 28th. Then on June 22nd, it was pushed to mid-July. So as it got closer. But on June 25th, GAR announced a secession of all of its operations, including Action Park. The company folded. Mm-hmm. Uh, following the demise of GAR in 1997, a company named Pradium Recovery Fund purchased the resort, including Action Park, for $10 million. So essentially, they bought the land. Yeah. Um, basically, they were looking to spend an additional $20 million to refurb it. Um didn't really happen uh another company bought it in 1998 they revamped it for the 1998 season um and demolished motor world and alpine world so i mean that's kind of a a what's it called like quick overview now we're going to talk about some of the rides okay this is where shit gets wonky so when so so that was essentially the start and end of the, the park in total. It was open from 1978 to 1996. Okay. So what we're going to do, how we're going to do this, we're going to go over some rides. And I'm going to explain to you. And through those rides, some of them are going to uh, explain okay. why this are place we, was a shit are show. We, are we including the deaths in the rides? In the discussion of the rides? Some of them will be. But what okay. we're going to do is so we're going to do the rides. We're going to do factors contributing to the, the shitty safety record, and then we're going to go over the fatalities. Okay. Some of the fatalities are in the description of the rides, but most, I've managed to separate them a little bit. Okay. So, okay. So first, we're going to go by, join me as we enter Action Park. <laughs> so you have Alpine Center, Alpine World, you okay. know? So, first you had the Alpine Park Gladiator Challenge. It was essentially based on the television series American Gladiators. Okay. This ride opened in 1992. Ride, quote. Basically, it was guests versus guests in an obstacle course and against park-employed gladiators. Um, They actually had former bodybuilders design the attraction, and uh, basically, like, the company used people from gyms to play the gladiators that's how it worked uh only open for three years nothing crazy so i'm like okay okay, cool you know it's a show kind of game show little attraction alpine slide so this is that first thing they put in the 2700 foot alpine slide okay basically it went down a ski mountain uh beneath a chairlift Okay. Um, the chairlift took people up, and he slid down it. Uh, <laughs> sorry. Riders sat on small sleds that only had a brake slash accelerator control stick. So it was a sled with a stick uh-huh. that helped you go fast or slow. And they basically rode down the slide in long chutes built into the slope. So okay. it's kind of like a little bobsled. Yeah. The ride, and more specifically the sleds, became notorious for causing injuries. The stick that was supposed to control the sled's speed in practice offered just two options on the infrequently maintained vehicles, extremely slow and a speed described by one former employee as death awaits. Oh, shit. The chutes the sled traveled in 
were made, so the, the slide itself was made out of concrete, fiberglass, and asbestos. Oh my god. So, if a rider took a fall, <laughs> that's, their that's skin... So, that's such an 80s thing. Uh-huh. Like, it... So what happened Asbestos. was what happened was when riders fell, they got shredded. Yeah. Because you're they're traveling oh, yeah. at high speeds, right? Uh, that problem was amplified by what was this park being uh marketed as? Action. World's oh. largest water park. So everyone's in bathing suits doing oh, this. Oh no. Yes. All the exposed skin. On top of that, there was a history of people being spit on and trashed them from the people going up the chairlift as no. they're going down. Oh, no. And the trash actually helped contribute to the vehicles crashing. Yeah. Um, the slide led to the first fatality in the park. Oh, okay. It was a head injury suffered in 1980 by an employee whose sled ran off the track. Sled comes off the track. He falls down an embankment and hits his head on a rock. Mm. Kills him instantly. Damn. Hay bales were placed, or hay bales were placed at the curbs in an attempt to cushion the impact of guests whose sleds jumped the track, which was a frequent occurrence. Uh, while park officials regularly asserted its safety. The early years of the park, the slide was responsible for the bulk of the accidents, injuries, lawsuits, and state citations for safety violations. According to state records, in 1984 and 1985, two years. Now remember, this slide opened in 1976 yeah. and was active until the park closed in 1998. During those two years, 1984 and 1985, the slide produced 14 fractures and 26 head injuries. Oh my god. And they're like, we'll just pad it with some more hay bales. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which uh, is hilarious because hay bales, like, yes, they're softer than a rock, but it's hay bales hard. are they're still hard. fucking hard. <laughs> they're hard. Um, so three other rides in this area of the park. Snapple, Snap Up, Whippersnapper Ride. Okay. Open towards the end of the parks. It was basically a jump, bungee jumping tower. That's all it was. Um. Basically, at this point, they kind of learned their lesson. They actually put made the guests wear weighted vests, so when they jumped, they wouldn't come up as high because they were afraid of them hitting the tower as they came up. Okay. Uh, skateboard park. Um, a skateboard a skate park was opened, but was closed after only one season of being used. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> the reason it was closed after one season was it was poorly designed. Uh, bowl, you know what a bowl is in sk- yeah. like the a bowl. Uh, so the the drop-ins, the bowls of the the pits, were separated. So like you'd have the bowl, and it would come up to the flat top, and we'd have another bowl. But that middle part was separated by pavement, not concrete. So it was separated by like asphalt. I'm I'm confused. Most most skate parks skate parks are all concrete or cement. Okay. Okay. So you'd have the part where, like, you'd go down in the bowl. Yeah. You'd have another bowl over here. Uh huh. The part in between them, up on the flat top, was asphalt, not concrete. Oh, so it was like they 
it was like they made the bowls out of concrete and then like yes. fused them together with asphalt. asphalt. Yep. And this caused the edges to not meet smoothly because asphalt expands. Oh, and yeah. yeah. Uh, a former park employee was quoted in a magazine saying the skate park was responsible for so many injuries in that single year of being open that we covered it up with dirt and pretended it never existed. Wow. Yep. Last I mean, ride. That's one way to do it, I guess. Yeah. Last ride in that area was the Transmobile. It was a monorail that took riders from the Alpine Center across 94 to cobble the Cobblestone Village shopping complex and Motor World, our next section. Okay. Uh, riders would sit sideways in cars built for two people. Each stop had two stations, yada, yada, yada. Nothing, nothing crazy happened. But that leads us to Motor World. Okay. Uh, so, Action Parks Motor World consisted of rides based around powered vehicles and boats on the west side of Route 94, opposite of the main park. The area uh, closed and never reopened. Uh, remember we said that Motor World got torn down? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's now a condominium development, a restaurant, and additional parking for the ski resort. Like, they literally took everything down, paved it, and just built from, built from scratch. All right, all right. So... <laughs> We're going to talk about seven rides from Motor World. First, the Super (laughs) Go-Karts. The Super Go-Karts allowed guests to drive around a small loop track at about 20 miles per hour, controlled by governor devices on the cart. You know governor devices? No. So I learned about them from, like, kids' motorcycles. A governor, it stops you. Like, basically, it's an upper limit on your speed. So you okay. can set the governor at 20 miles per hour. The Whatever you're driving will not go above 20 miles an hour. It'll max oh, at 20. Oh, okay. 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 So they had governors stopping the cars at 20 miles per hour. Uh, however, park employees knew how to circumvent the governors by wedging tennis balls into them. <laughs> okay. And they were known to do so for guests. As a result. Otherwise standard small engine cart ride became an opportunity to play bumper cars at 50 miles an hour. Oh my god. And many injuries resulted from head-on collisions. Also, I I can't help, I've read this so many times, because this one fascinates me, but this shit just makes me laugh. The cart's engines were poorly maintained, and uh, some riders were overcome by gasoline fumes as they drove. Leading to some to pass out. <laughs> what the fuck? Okay. So okay. that's that's the super go-karts. The Lola cars were miniature open cockpit race cars on a longer track. Extra money was charged to drive them, and they too could be adjusted for speed by park employees with similarly... Similar... Well, I can't fucking say that. With very so, similar... Similarly. Har- yeah harmful consequences to the riders. Um, former employees have said after park management that after park management briefly set up a microbrewery nearby, employees would break into the brewery, steal beer, and then take the cars out and ride them out onto the nearby highway. <laughs> what? Yes. Yes. I mean... Sounds fun, but... Uh, yeah. Okay. Battle Action Tanks. Oh, God. Battle Action Tanks was one of the most popular rides in Motor World. And it was actually 
featured prominently in television ads. For an additional fee, guests could enter a chain-link fence-enclosed er, chain area and operate small tanks for five minutes at a time. The tanks were equipped with tennis ball cannons that enabled riders to shoot at a sensor mounted uh, on each tank. If hit, the tank stopped operating for 15 seconds. So it's a big, it's basically a laser tag. Uh, while, their <laughs> while other guests often took advantage of the delay to hit the disabled vehicle with more fire. Wow. Visitor outside uh, could also use li utilize less costly cannons mounted on the peri perimeter fence. When workers had to enter the cage to ascend to a, extend to a stuck or crashed tank, which often, God, I can't talk tonight, which often happened several times a day, they were commonly pelted with tennis balls, despite <laughs> rules against such behavior. This gave the rep, uh, ride a reputation for being more dangerous for the employees than the guests, mm -hmm. making it the least popular place to work in the park and the spot most... <laughs> Usually given to new employees. <laughs> um, super speedboats. Oh, Lord. The super speedboats were set up in a small pond, known by Staff Park to be heavily infested with snakes. What? They could be driven around a small island from at 35 to 40 miles an hour. Jesus. While unlike the land vehicles, there was no way to tamper with their speed, many riders nonetheless used them to play bumper boats. And one seriously inebriated rider had to be rescued by the attendant lifeguard after his boat capsized following a collision. Okay. Bumper boats. So there's a whole separate yes. ride, like attraction for bumper boats. Yes. So bumper boats was a supposedly safer ride than super speedboats. Supposedly. But the engines often le leaked gasoline. Oh, gee. At least once requiring medical attention for one rider who got too much of it on his skin. Well, yeah. Tall riders were often unable to fit their legs in the small-sized boats, resulting in them hanging off the sides of the boats and being fractured during collision. So they would hang their feet over the edge and then the boat would smash. Oh, my God. Yeah. So you knew about this park, but you know all this. I didn't know all of this. Oh, it's great. I just we're I getting, knew that people had died. I knew that a lot of people got hurt. I didn't know. We're getting to my favorite part of the park soon. Oh, great. Which is Waterworld. Because it is has one of the most asinine things I've ever seen in a, in a amusement park. But anyway. So the next one is the Space Shot. Uh, it's a tower drop ride. You know, go up, drop. Um... The kind of significant thing here, they opened it literally uh, the summer the park closed. Oh. So the park was super in debt. They bought this ride as like a last-ditch last effort. Yeah. Um, kind of unique about this one was the ride itself was actually well-built. They actually spent money on the ride, and it was actually bought by Six Flags. Hmm. And uh, it's in six the Six Flags up in Canada, in Montreal, Quebec. Huh. Okay, the slingshot. Slingshot was a bungee cord ride in which two riders sat in a seat and were strapped in while the ride was shot in the air supported by a bungee cord. Riders loops upside down. There are few similar standing rides in major amusement parks. Uh, slings, uh, six Flags being the most common. Um, usually, 
those rides. I did not know this. This is actually an interesting fact. The reason why you go into a theme park and then like these slingshot rides might usually have like an additional cost. You usually think it's because of like it's like in the arcade part of the park, right? It's not. It's because those rides in particular cause the park's insurance to go up. So oh. that's meant to cover the offset of the insurance going offset the cost. Okay. I did not know that until I read through this. Um, so that was the glory of Motor World. Mm-hmm. Now we're on to Water World. Okay. Waterworld attractions made up half the park's ride and accounted for the greatest share of its casualty count. Okay. Okay. So we're going to start with the Cannonball Loop. Cannonball Loop. Okay. So, it's a water park called the Cannonball Loop. What do you think it is? Uh, I, if you, I really don't know. Like my brain if is. If you had to guess, my brain is if, thinking water. Like it's a water park. Cannonball is when you like literally like jump into the water. Like, yeah. In the form of a ball. Ball. But I, I can't. I can't. So if you would have guessed that it's a looping water slide, you would have guessed right. Okay. It is. That's like straight up like a straight shot, and then a teeny tiny little loop at the very end yes. of it. What the hell? <laughs> That's that is the picture that comes up anytime anyone talks about Action Park. The Cannonball Loop. That is the most popular thing. We'll post this on our our social oh media. God. You can just Google Cannonball Loop Action Park and yeah. you will see this water slide is oh fucking ridiculous. It's straight up a straight shot to the ground and then, and then just like like the world's babyest loop. It is the, <laughs> the babyest loop. It is. But but, like, if you look at it, it doesn't even, like, seamlessly go into the loop. It's straight up, like... It turns into the loop. And, it, yes. Okay, you ready to learn about the Cannonball Loop? Yeah. In the mid-1980s, Gar built an enclosed water slide. Not unusual for the time. In fact, the park already had a couple slides like that. On this one, however, they decided to build a complete vertical loop at the end, similar to that of a roller coaster. The resulting slide, called the Cannonball Loop, was so intimidating... That employees had reported that they were offered $100 to test it. <laughs> no employee wanted to go down it. A man named, with the last name of, or it's actually just says a man named Fergus, who described himself as one of the idiots who took the offer, <laughs> said $100 did not buy enough booze to drown out that memory. Damn. That bad. The slide was only open for one month in the summer of Holy shit. 1985 before it was closed at the order of the state's advisory board on Carnival Amusement Ride Safety. Well, ah. so it, it's obviously a very dark enclosed thing. I can only imagine how many people went into the loop and just fucking smashed their faces against the the inner part as they looped around. Do you get yeah. what I mean? So... One worker told a local newspaper that there were too many bloody noses and back injuries from riders, and it was wildly rumored that some test dummies sent down before it opened had been dismembered and decapitated when they came out the other side. Jesus Christ. Test dummies are pretty durable. Yeah. Uh, 
a rider also reportedly got stuck at the top of the loop due to insufficient water pressure, and a hatch, a hatch had to be installed at the bottom of the slope to allow for future extractions. Oh no! So he got he went down, got stuck, and came back, and he couldn't go either yeah. way. Um, the ride supposedly uh, there's no concrete. Oh, here, yeah, here it is. Uh, they attempted to reopen this ride in 1995 and 1996. Uh, each time it was only open for a few days before it had to be shut down because of injuries. That's insane. Uh, so the, here's the, I like this. I'm spending a little bit extra time on this one because I really like this one because it's stupid as shit. Uh, Basically, people who rode the Cannonball Loop said more safety measures were taken than otherwise common at the park. Riders were weighed, hosed down with cold water, instructed to remove jewelry, and then carefully instructed on how they had to position their bodies in order to make it around the loop. Uh, Wow. If it takes that much to to go on this ride... (laughs) Yep. You gotta do homework beforehand. <laughs> yep. Uh, so here's a few other ones, because that's the big one, right? Mm-hmm. The tidal wave pool. The first death. Remember, 1982 had two deaths within a week. Yeah. The first death occurred in the wave pool. I'm not surprised. Uh, another visitor also drowned in the wave pool five years after that. It was, however, the number of lifeguard people that the lifeguard saved from a similar fate that made this the only Waterworld attraction to gain its own nickname, the Grave Pool. Jesus. It was 100 feet wide, or 100 feet wide by 250 feet long, and could hold 500 to 1,000 people. So a big ass wave pool. Waves were generated for 20 minutes at a time, with 10 minute intervals between them. And could reach as much as 40 inches in height. It was not obvious the pool depth increased as one got closer to the far end. And there were patrons who only remembered or realized that they could not swim when they were in over their heads and the waves were going full blast. Mm -hmm. Even those who could swim, sometimes exhausting themselves, causing uh, patrons to crowd the side ladders as waves began lead to many accidents. Twelve lifeguards were on duty at all times, and on high-traffic weekends, they were known to rescue as many as 30 people, compared to the one or two the average lifeguard might make in a typical season at a pool or a lake. Damn. Yep. The aqua shoot. Uh, Riders would carry a hard, solid plastic sled to the top of the ride and go down a slide consisting of rollers akin to those found in factories, warehouses, or assembly lines. You know what I'm talking about? Like the metal, like the metal benches, they have the wheels that like they slide boxes down. Yeah, yeah. That's what they're talking about. Okay. Uh, and at the very bottom, you'd end up in a pool that in most areas was no deeper than a puddle. The idea of the ride was to, once the sled hit the water, skip across the water like a stone. In in order to do this, the rider had to be in a certain position, lean back. If the rider was not in this position, the sled would sink in the water as soon as it hit the pool, flinging the rider off headfirst, which often resulted in head injuries. Oh, yeah. Other times, the riders uh, would be leaving the pool only to have others crash into them as they were going. Uh, the ride consisted of parallel slides originally. At some point in the 80s, a third slide was added. Um, but yeah, that's it. <laughs> uh, the kamikaze. <laughs> oh, no. Believe it or not, 
standard water slide. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't anything crazy. It was, mm-hmm. it was literally like a, a, I don't know how to best, best way. I'm going to make a hand motion. It's like a wave. Like, like a wave, yeah. Like you a go gradual... down, you hit a little slope, go down a little bit more, hit a little slope, go down into a pool. That was it. Okay. I saw the name Kamikaze and I got worried. I thought it was a nickname. <laughs> uh, <sighs> I forgot about this one. The kayak experience. Okay. So it was an imitation whitewater course. So waves and stuff like that. It was a uh-huh. kayak course. They used submerged electric fans to agitate the water. Yep. Think about that for a second. Uh-huh. Frequently, the kayaks got stuck or tip over, and people had to get out to remedy the situation. In 1982, so the, the first year, so this was in a week of the first wave pool accident, a man died after trying to get back onto his kayak and touching the wire, accidentally touched the wires of one of the fans, oh setting him God. into cardiac arrest and leading to the ride's permanent closure. Damn. That sucks. Yep. Uh, the Tarzan swing. Okay, so I'm trying to see how many more rides I got left. One, two, three, four, five, six. About six or seven rides. Okay. And then we'll go into like some more info about this park. They'll make you roll your eyes. Uh, the Tarzan swing was a steel arch hanging from a hanging from a twenty foot long cable over a spring fed pool. Patrons waited in long lines for a chance to hang from it, swing out over the water, and then jump ass jump oh, jump ass. God damn it! <laughs> jump off as the beam reached its height. In early years, the area patrons jumped from was not over the water, but a cushioned area. Some people who let go as soon as they started swinging would land on the cushion, then slide or crash into the water. In the mid-1980s, the starting position was shifted, so patrons started over the water. Okay. Some patrons hung on too long and scraped their toes on concrete on the far side. Others used the ride properly, but were surprised to find the water underneath was very cold. Ice cold. It was cold enough, in fact, that the lifeguards sometimes had to rescue people who were so surprised by the sudden chill that they could not swim out of the pool. Well, I say they literally went into shock. In 1984, one man died from a heart attack after experiencing the swing. Holy shit. Uh, the Roaring Rapids. Standard base, uh, standard raft-based whitewater ride. Um, the big thing about this was that in 1984, so it seems like 1984 and 1985 is when they did a lot of the research into the lawsuits of this park. Uh-huh. 1984, this ride was attributed to, uh, there were multiple fractured femurs, collarbones, noses, dislocated knees, and shoulders attributed to this ride. Wow. Um, Surf Hill. Uh, basically allowed patrons to slide down a water slick so- surface on mats into small puddles, uh, just kind of the ones you people see laid down on um, <laughs> until they reached a foam barrier after an upslope at the end. Barriers between lanes were minimal and people frequently collide, collided into each other on the way down or at the end. The seventh lane was known as the backbreaker due to its special kicker two thirds of the way down intended to allow jumps and splashdowns into a bigger puddle. There was literally a ramp on this slide. <laughs> Employees at the park used to like eat, uh, used to, like eating at a nearby snack bar 
during their break with a good view of the attraction, since it was almost guaranteed they could see some serious injuries, lost <laughs> bikini tops, or sometimes both. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Super speed water slides. Oh no. These, no. these two water slides, known as Geronimo Falls, were set slightly apart from the part rest of the park and took advantage of the nearly vertical slopes to allow riders to attain higher speeds than usually possible. Nearly vertical slopes. One started with riders going almost vertically downhill and covered with screening for the first several feet. As barriers on the slides of the slide were very low, lifeguards reminded every user to remain flat on their back with their arms at their sides as they descended since there was no way to ride it otherwise and stay on. So unless you were straight up flat on your back, yep, you were going to go flying off of this. The fall from both sides had the potential for very serious injury. Those who made it to the bottom found their progress arrested by water, which made a very large splash, splash and then a small pool. Um, it doesn't look like anybody died on them. So. Mm. The diving cliffs. <laughs> this sounds good. The area around Roaring Rapids uh, is laid out kind of like a grotto with many lower intensity tractions. One of the area was a pair of diving cliffs, uh, 123 feet and 118 feet above a 16 foot deep pool. However, the pool below them was not blocked off from those might be swimming in or away from other attractions and nothing at water level gave any indication to swimmers that they could expect people to dive in or jump off the cliffs right next to them or on top of them. The sole, life, sole lifeguard, one lifeguard on duty had his or her hands full dealing with the results of those collisions. Also, non-swimmers would jump off the cliffs, not fully appreciating how deep the bottom, how deep the water below was, and have to be rescued. Uh, you... Do you want to know the? Do you want to know the what the fuck part of this one? Uh, okay. So there's a former employee named Tom Fergus who just kind of ratted them out on uh -huh. all the shit. Says the pool, the bottom of the pool had to be repainted white to make it easier to spot any bodies under the surface. Oh my god. I, I didn't find any deaths associated with this ride. I think it's more of a, just to see if there's people down there that they have yeah. to go down and get. Um, the Colorado... Col <laughs> Colorado? Yes. <laughs> the Colorado River Ride. Uh, it's a two-person raft ride that once stayed down a heavily wooded area on the side of the park with numerous forks allowing riders to take different routes. Um, basically, it looked like a natural river bend. Um, it doesn't look too crazy. No. Um, the biggest thing is like there were like tunnels that if people put their hands out, they would just slice them up on the rocks. Hmm. Um, then they had an. This is the last ride we're going to talk about. The Aerodium. It's a skydiving simulator wind tunnel. Um, riders wear a special skydiving suit, helmet, and earplugs, and when join the body flight instructors one on one by one on a trampoline like netting directly over the fans wind tunnel. Yeah. The riders would instructor would grab each uh rider's wrist and guide the rider to fall forward, allowing the fan to lift him up. After a few seconds of flight, the attendant operating the fan would cut the power, causing the rider to fall on the air conditions surrounding the fan. They were limited to about six or seven feet above the ground, approximately one to two feet over the instructor's head. There were multiple injuries, uh, 
One example is a rider instinctively tried to break his fall by extending his arm, which causes caused de- uh, shoulder dislocation, severed nerves, and near-permanent paralysis of his arm. Jeez. Oh. Okay. So here's some contributing factors okay. to the deaths and everything like that. Uh, ride design, obviously. Yeah. Uh, Action Park and its defenders pointed out that it was one of the first water parks in the nation and pioneered ideas that were later widely copied, which is true. There, are, They did have a lot of normal water slides I did not cover. Okay. Um, so, you know, that is true. Yeah. Um, where else? Where was I? Sorry. Uh, basically, this meant that there were rides that hadn't been through a lot of test cycles. Mm. Um, ride designers may have also had insufficient training in physics and engineering. <laughs> uh, basically, the park was accused of cutting corners financially to maximize profits. Yeah. I mean, we could have guessed that. Yeah, I gotta say, whoever came up with the cannonball, uh, what's your dingy? Uh, definitely missed that day in physics class. Yeah. Okay, so the second contributing factor, employees. Okay. Uh, the vast majority of workers at Action Park... So you mentioned that they were underage. Were teenagers. Yeah. The security director for the park got the job at the age of 21. What? He worked at the park for two years. Before he got the job? He worked at the park two years as a normal guy, then became the director of security at 21 years old. What the hell? So he'd been working there since he was 19. 18 or 19. This was not uncommon. Employees were often underaged, undertrained, and often under the influence of alcohol oh, I and mean, cared little for enforcing park rules and safety requirements. Why would you? You're a teenager. Height and, based, uh, height and weight-based restrictions were flat-out ignored. Nobody gives a shit about those. Yep. Third factor, visitors. Since it was closer and slightly cheaper than Six Flags, uh, Action Park attracted many visitors from the New York metropolitan area. Many of them were from lower-income neighborhoods where they had few, if not, if any, opportunities to swim, much less learn how. Mm-hmm. Uh, the park greatly overestimated these abilities, and this was a factor in many incidents as well as the drownings. They happened on the, on the premises. Um, a lot of times, the anytime there was an accident, the park would default and blame the visitor, of uh, course. the person. Well, it's your own fault. You didn't follow the directions or, yeah. you know, whatever. Um, number four, availability of alcohol on the grounds. I take it there was a lot and it was yes. always available. The park also sold beer in many kiosks and it's already mentioned that they had many microbreweries on site um, and had relaxed enforcement of the drinking age requirements. Okay, well, first of all, their employees are yeah. underage, so they're not going to give a shit about checking IDs either. Doctors uh, that treated the... Or inter- cutting people off. Doctors that treated the injured people basically reported that most of them were drunk. <laughs> and the last one we're going to talk about is lax regulatory climate. Uh, that basically means that at the time, they just... There was no laws. There, there were laws 
but there were loopholes that allowed this park to get away with it. Mm-hmm. This stuff. Sorry, I have the hiccups. Um, like, great example. The drowning in 1987, the second drowning in the wave pool. The regulatory commission that governs amusement park rides and then the safety commission that re- governs like public pools. The public pool one ruled the wave pool as a ride. The ride commission w- ruled the wave pool as a pool. So no one had domain oh, over it. Oh, yeah. Literally, state regulations only meant they had to keep the water clean and have a some certified lifeguards on duty. That was it. Wow. There were no regulation regulate uh, regulations being enforced on the wave generators or anything. Yeah. So that's kind of like a mix up that, you know, all that fun shit. Um, so now we're going to get into the fatalities. So there's six. We already oh, talked about a lot. Part. We already talked about a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, first was in 1980. That was the night. So this is where we get into ages. Mm-hmm. Remember the park employee that was riding the slide went off and his head on a rock, 19 years old. Oh, 1982. The first person that drowned in the wave pool, 15 year old boy. <gasps> oh, um, babies. Mm-hmm. The guy that um, touched the wire in the kayaking yeah. thing got electrocuted. He was 27 years old. 27 year old guy. Holy shit. Yep. See, when you told me that story, I was picturing like older, like an older guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, besides this next one, there is. Uh, it doesn't. There's no age attached to this one. It's the guy that swung hit the water and went into cardiac arrest. Yeah. No age attached to him. Other than that, the five other deaths, the 27-year-old is the oldest. Wow. They're all young, younger kids. Oh, that's heartbreaking. Uh, the second person to die in the wave pool was a uh, 20-year-old from Brooklyn. And the third, I didn't realize there were three. There were three people that drowned in the wave pool. third person that raved, drowned in the wave pool was an 18-year-old. So you had a 19-year-old, a 15-year-old, 27-year-old, 20-year-old, 18-year-old, and an unknown. Yeah. Um. So that's, I mean, a lot of it. I mean, Action Park got closed down uh, in 2010. The whole ski area and water park was sold again to a group led by none other than Eugene Mulhill, the original owner. He bought it with a new group in 2010. Wow. Yep. Uh, however, it's going to sound fucked up. Happy ending. He died two years later. <laughs> um, under this new ownership, the name of the water park in the surrounding area was changed back to Action Park. Okay. Starting with the 2014 season. Uh, in 2016, Mountain Creek Water Park name was restored to the park. That's uh-huh. uh, what it flipped back and forth. It retired the Action Park name again. So as of right now, it is known as the Mountain Creek Water Park. Okay. Uh, still in operation, uh, Mountain Creek, it's, you know, still running. Mm-hmm. Um, it. Seems to be a reputable water park now. Now? <laughs> yeah. Uh, seem to have gotten their shit together. Yeah. But anyway, that was Action Park. Damn. So so when you said at least six people died. 
So there the were multiple head injuries, multiple concussions. The idea is six people died at the park. Yes. That's not counting the people that got to the hospital and died as a result of injuries. Or... Yeah, because they... That I couldn't find. They said yeah. everything I found stated those six. A lot of people think like there was brain damage. There was all this oh, shit yeah. that happened from this park. Concussions and and like you said, brain damage and wow. Yeah. yeah. So that is uh the world's shittiest theme park, Action Park. Damn, class Action Park. Yep. <laughs> I thought I've always thought this one was interesting just because mm-hmm. it blew my mind that. They got away with this shit for so long. Yeah. Um, and I wanted to liven it up because I have a feeling my next episode is going to be really, 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 really dark. Mm-hmm. Um, so I felt like but this I, was... I, I can understand. Like, it's it's funny because, like, now we're shocked that they got away with so much because we know... Yeah. You know, how strict a lot of the regulations are for theme parks like that now. Yeah. But, like, back then it was just kind of like... Oh, people have gotten hurt. Like, exactly. Uh, you know, we lived near Knott's Berry Farm, and for the longest time, that had the ride called the Perilous Plunge, where you like went up and you turned this little corner, and then you had. It was a nosedive in a water boat. Literally, boat. like you could feel the back of the the. But it was on tracks. Quote but yeah. Boat, but yeah. Uh, and someone fell out of that. Granted, they shouldn't have been on it in the first place. Do you want to know a fun fact about that? About what? The perilous plunge uh, person that died? Sure. Uh, so, the perilous plunge, I'm going to do my homework really quick, because I'm almost positive, is... If I remember the story, I thought it was a person who was much larger than... It was an overweight overweight rider. Um, the but belt no, wouldn't... It's, yeah, you're right. The belt didn't cinch right and all that kind of stuff. But the reason why, like, we heard about it years later. Yeah. Like, Perilous Plunge. Like We heard about it a few years before they actually shut down Perilous Plunge. Yeah, because so this happened in September 2001. Ah. So it was overshadowed by September 11th yeah. and everything like that. And Perilous Plunge stayed open for another 15? No, not that long. About. 12 years yeah i can't remember when that ride got shut down but we'll post it i'll post a picture of that one because people not from southern california again no have no clue I know. what we're talking about <laughs> but yeah so i don't know i thought it'd be interesting different kind of a different topic for this week's i liked episode. it i liked it so uh if you enjoyed it you know the drill like us comment subscribe on all your various platforms Please. you can find all of our social media stuff on our simplecast site dying to know simplecast.com there you go um so check it out you can find all the links to message us share our stuff spread the word tell your friends all that fun stuff yep so anyway i hope you guys enjoyed it uh thank you for listening okay love you bye